On this week's episode of the Players Experience Podcast, we talk to a great equipment manager with the Edmonton Oilers, Barry Stafford, on his work with the Oilers, what it was like to work with the team for so many years, um, what it was like to work with the iconic Joey Moss uh, in Edmonton as well, and what it was like to be part of the NHL, the Olympics, the World Cups, and so many more, as well as working in the NHL alumni group after his career behind the bench. Before we bring Barry on to the show, just want to remind you guys, hit up the subscribe button so that you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And also to uh, make sure to check out our production team, Jay Salty Photography on Instagram, uh, and check out their work because they do fantastic work for the show each and every week. And also, guys, we have discount codes with Hush Blankets, the Jaywalk, and Great North Apparel. So make sure to use the Players Experience code during your checkout to get some discounts on those products as well. The Players Experience Podcast is coming up next. How's it going, man? Oh, fantastic. Couldn't That's be good. better. Good. I, I heard it's cold out you, your way. Uh, it's a little bit warmer uh, my way right now, but hey, I mean, we'll, we'll take the weather as it comes, you know? Well, if people live in Edmonton like we do, actually, I live out, out southeast on, a, on an acreage, basically on a farm. Um, so I'm not really in the city, but, you know, you, you have to, if you live in this part of the world, you have to enjoy uh, the winter time and we we do enjoy the winter time so it's uh you know what you just have to dress more dress warm yeah exactly um so yeah thank you for taking the time to be on the show i like to start off every show with a rapid fire segment so i'm going to fire four questions off at you and just the first thing that comes to your mind uh favorite time of day i'd have to say early in the morning when i get up i'm an old bastard now so i get up early <laughs> and get a good start in the day now, what's the strangest thing in your fridge? Strangest thing? Well, I got a new border collie, a COVID puppy, and I put uh, puppy treats in a in a tray that says Alfred's Alfred's food. That's that's probably the strangest thing. Uh, what about a TV show that you're currently watching? Uh, Yellowstone. Oh, love it! Man. Yeah, my friends are all for Yellowstone right now. It's yeah, I love I'm it. I'm watching it. Yeah, yeah it's um, a good show. Favorite sport outside of hockey. Well, good thing you didn't say favorite sport that I'm good at outside of hockey, but I love playing golf. Um, some of my friends asked me not too long ago if, you, if I like golf, and I said, well, if you consider smoking cigars and looking for balls, golf, that's my sport. I love golf. Hey, I'm with you. Drinking a few beers on the side as well, you know? It's, you got it. You when, got it. When COVID ends, I'll make my way out to Edmonton, and we'll hit up the links a few times. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, I like to – pick my buddies and hang out with people that I know and like, and we have a great time. That's fantastic. Now I want to chat about your career in sport and your historic tenure, if you will, with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, you spent 38 years with the Oilers, which is tremendous. Um, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Olympics, about the world cups and everything. How did you know you wanted to work in sport? Well, <clears throat> I was probably like every other young Canadian kid um, when I was a little guy growing up. I, you know, we, we, I grew up in Banff, so I was lucky to ski and play hockey. 
it's a great, great place to grow up and I still consider Banff to be home. But, uh, you know, as I, as I grew up and grew older, I, I uh, went more of the hockey route and, uh, you know, I just, uh, I loved hockey and I wanted to be an NHL player, just like every kid growing up that, that loves hockey. And it didn't take long. I had a bit of a scattered, uh, junior career played, played uh, a few years junior. And, and then I, I went on a strange route. I went and played minor league pro hockey, okay. uh, uh, in Amarillo, Texas, of all places, when I was about 17, 18 years old. And then uh, I, I realized that I wasn't going to be a hockey player. I couldn't make a living at it. And uh, I joined uh, the University of Alberta Golden Bears. I was lucky enough to make the Golden Bears team and was coached by the hockey's greatest uh, coach, um, amateur coach, Claire Drake. So uh, we won three championships out of four that those years. And so I studied athletic training. Um, sports was always a big part of my life. And uh, I grew up in Banff, as I said, and, and uh, the person that was probably one of the most positive influences in my life was Glenn Sather. He ran a hockey school called the Glenn Sather Holiday Hockey School that I, I, I uh, was a student as a kid. And then I eventually ended up working, um, helping uh, with, with, uh, with the kids and uh, not so much on ice, but so I had a built a relationship with Glenn. He knew myself and my family and he knew I was a hockey guy. And um, I knew that if I uh, wanted to work in the hockey business, which I, I did, I would have to get the degree. And so I, I worked hard, got the medical degree and um, as an athletic trainer. And then I applied for the job and they hired me to go work in um, Kamloops, actually, in the Western Hockey League. I, I'm not sure if it was called that at the time, Western Canada League. Uh, but the Kamloops Oilers, uh, and uh, in the middle of the summer, I got a call from Glenn. He said, the, the trainer in Wichita, Kansas, uh, quit. You just got a promotion. You're working in the Central Hockey League. So I, uh, I, my first professional job and the job that I stuck with for all these years was um, started in Wichita, Kansas as the, as the trainer. That's incredible. What a journey like just to get that call, like kind of just like an NHL player too, being like, "Hey, guy, you got a promotion. You're coming on up to the bigger leagues, right?" Yeah, it was pretty, pretty scary actually. I I didn't really um, have a lot of practical experience as a trainer. Um, I, I put my time in, and I uh, um, I learned the the basic techniques like anybody in university. But but the real uh, learning was when I got thrown in the fire. That's like any job in any career, like you. I know there was times when I was looking around thinking, man, they never taught me how to do this in university, but you just learn how to roll your sleeves up and get to work and do it. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I really, I really learned on the job. Uh, it was, a, it was a tough goal, but it was trial by fire. That's the way Glenn Sather was. He threw me in there and kind of learned on the job. No, honestly, that's really the best way. Um, a lot of people may not find it their cup of tea to be, like that but that's the best way to learn because you yep. are able to learn from your mistakes figure out how to fix things right on the spot and especially in the world of hockey we know how uh, hectic it is behind the bench let alone on the ice to be able to make decisions quickly so um yeah no that's uh that's awesome now you began your working with the Oilers when you were just 25 years old and you spent the next 38 years with them how did what was it like to kind of go from the see like the Central Hockey League up to the NHL and start working with uh, the, the, the senior version of the Oilers, if you will. 
Well, I do remember halfway through my first season, the trainer, just coincidentally, the person that had been doing the job in Edmonton and run into some health issues. And uh, I had heard that they needed to replace the training, the trainer. Now this was the, the equipment manager, not the medical trainer, but because in the NHL, there was two trainers, an equipment manager and a, and a uh, head medical trainer. But in the minors, there's one guy. So I, I did both jobs. And I was scared shitless that they were going to call me to come up and work in Edmonton because even though I had worked a training camp, it was my first professional training camp. And I really did not have a clue um, what it took to be an NHL trainer. I, I, I learned very quickly. I had some great tutorship when I was in, in, in the training camp and I, I kind of learned the basic fundamentals, but I really did learn on the job. And um, uh, I, don't, I was not ready to move up to the NHL at, at Christmas is when, the, when, the, when that was going to happen. And thank God they didn't call me and they, uh, I finished out the year and then I got the call right at the end of the year to come up and uh, to work as the, as the head equipment manager. That was really cool. And what was that experience like for you to kind of like just make it to the NHL um, with like those fears of like, okay, at least you have some support of now just kind of focusing on one job or one aspect of it. Well, I think the one thing that really helped me through my career, there's no doubt. Um, I said I had a bit of a scattered junior career. Well, I was a young a guy that was uh, very competitive and had a bit of a temper. And, and those two things, I would say maybe more aggressive and had a temper. That Those two things, uh, you know, maybe in hockey they're okay, but they're not, not good traits to have at a young age because it can just get yourself in trouble. But, you know, I thanks to John Muckler and, and the fact that I, had, I got some experience, I learned um, that the best way to – and also the fact that I had been on a lot of different junior teams. Like I think I worked, I played for seven teams in two years. Just I, I never quit. I kept trying, trying, trying. Uh, that you you learn to adapt to to new environments and new locker room uh, settings. And so I took that philosophy on when I came in as a trainer to Edmonton. I mean, the Oilers were, it was 1983, um, 82-83 season. Uh, they were chock full of all-stars like Bessie, Gretzky, Coffee, Curry, uh, Grant Fear, just to name a few. So I was stepping into uh, basically an all-star team or in a role as an all-star team. And I was about the same age as those guys too, right? So uh, the, the first thing I did when I stepped in is uh, I just, I put my nose down. I went to work. Um, I didn't say boo. And I used to refer to it as the law of the wolf pack. Like you just, um, you just sit back and learn and don't say too much and just uh, keep your mouth shut until you kind of get your bearings and until you earn the trust really basically of the guys. So I, I, um, I eventually, uh, very luckily at the time training staff became part of the team and that's more, more, more of the way it was uh, in, in the early eighties where, you know, you had an equipment manager and a medical trainer and whoever else was there was, was, was part of the team, like with the coaches and the players. So these guys, um, I just took my time. I, I did my job and, you know, through, I guess, trust and respect, you, you, you earn a, a position and a, and a place on the team. That's great. And yeah, I definitely know where you're coming from because I've worked with a men's senior team out here in uh, like just East of Toronto called the Whippy Dunlops uh, of the Allen Cup Hockey League. And it's the, I've done media relations for them for the past uh, 
shit, five years now. Um, and obviously I know it's not as great as standing behind the bench, but you still kind of have to earn that trust and the respect so that when I have to interview guys for different segments or, or chat with them about different things, I can just walk up to them and kind of ask them a question. Right. So, um, that trust and respect is everything in hockey, especially how small the hockey world is really. Oh yeah. There's no doubt. And you know, when you're, you're entering in a team environment and, um, you know, I had a, a pretty interesting Zoom not too long ago, just regarding the, some of the work I did with the um, with the building, um, the new Rogers Place building, and and the it was Jack Michaels that was on the other end, and he he asked me about, um, you know, how, how did you how did you find, you know, adapting your job as a uh, project manager, so to speak. Uh, compared to the work that you had done in the past as a trainer. And I thought, you know what, the whole thing is based on team. When you learn um, and you grow up in a team environment, um, you learn that the name on the front of the sweater, like the typical uh, cliche is, is more important than the name on the back. And you also learn that um, every team member has a job and a role as a hockey player, of course, within the team of players, but also the staff on the outside as well. Like we, our training staff had, a, we used to call it, a team within the team and you know, we had started with three ended up with probably five guys but everybody has their role and everybody knows and understands their role and uh you know that's what contributes to to the success of a good organization and so that, that that's kind of, that kind of helped me along too and let's let's chat more about your your role with project management and and your work also with the nhl alumni group after you worked behind the bench, you ended up becoming the director of the NHL alumni group and you became a project manager. How was it for you to be able to work with guys that you kind of grew up with uh, as part of the alumni group now um, and also kind of be able to give that input and feedback to help make a better rink? Well, I'll tell you how, how the progression went. I left the training in 2010 and I started as a, a role uh, as the director of new business development, um, which was, a, I, I, I started to learn uh, a little bit about the business of hockey and new development, new business development, not so much the, the mainstream hockey, selling tickets, marketing sales, but exploring new avenues of, and expanding the organization into, you know, minor league teams and minor league cities, those kind of things. So that was the first big step. Then after that, I started uh, in 2012, as the liaison for Rogers Place, that's when I really hit the project management uh, um, as far as a career. I mean, I had four different careers basically within the, the almost 40 years. But so I, I, even though I had done minor jobs and minor uh, projects, so I, I, I learned at a very high level how to be um, a project manager. And, um, you know, luckily I worked with world-class architects and world-class project ma management company uh, in Icon. HOK was the design team. Uh, PCL was a construction company. We were partners with, um, with, the, uh, with um, the city of Edmonton. So once again, back to the whole concept of breaking it down into being into a team. So you just kind of look, we had a, a bit of a project team that moved uh, around in everybody's category. And mine was hockey, uh, hockey um, what was it called? Uh, locker room and related. So anything to do with the NHL players from the parking lot up to the press box, basically. Then from there, and once we moved into the building in 2016, um, I didn't have a job. 
and uh, I was lucky to uh, fall into the category that Bob Nicholson and Kevin Lowe had decided that, you know what, we have such a great, awesome alumni. Uh, we need to formalize the alumni department. We need to have someone lead the alumni department. We need to uh, make it a part of the Oilers organization and then um, get it some credibility throughout, uh, throughout the National Hockey League. So I started a, a new department. I was given lots of leeway. They were very supportive. Um, and uh, so I, had, I, I learned how to start a, a department right from scratch as far as the, you know, the revenue that's needed, the expenses and all those kind of things. So technically I had to learn that. But as, to answer your question, you know, that was a long, uh, long okay. way to get to the answer. But um, all those experiences that I had from the time that I was a trainer, uh, which, which was 20, yeah, 28 years, uh, and then the 10 years between that or six, eight years between that and the time I started with the alumni, because I did that for three years before I retired. It was all about building relationships and with the players, of course, um, project management. I, I, I learned about, uh, uh, I, I still was involved with the current training staff, the coaches, the managers, the, the strength coaches, all those people that I use for resources. Uh, and we used the, the team atmosphere, the team concept through project management, through new business development. And I used that same kind of concept into the alumni relations department. But you know, I, as someone said to me one day, I think you auditioned your entire life for this job as the um, coordinator of the alumni. And the, the cool thing is over those 38, 28 years and even beyond that, almost every one of the, I believe there's 800 plus alumni uh, came across my desk. You know, not just the Hall of Famers in the, in the early 80s from 80 to 90, of course, the, the people that everybody knows, but, uh, or that are, that are prominent, but, you know, there's a heck of a lot of hockey players go through a locker room uh, in one year that, you know, maybe come up and down a game or two and, um, you know, don't really stay or get traded. So, um, you know, I was working with all my friends, people that I knew real well, they knew me and we, I had already developed a good relationship with most of the players. And uh, yeah, it was a natural progression for me and it was a very good job and I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Now, talking about the progression of uh, and the relationships that you built with those players, um, you were honored by the Oilers um, when you retired in 2012, I believe it was, um, from behind the bench. Is that correct? Yeah, I left 2010, and then um, I, I left the Oilers, the training staff, and was reallocated. That's the, the, the term that they used. I mean, they, they had made a change, the corporate uh, structure had changed, management had changed, and they wanted to do something different after 28 years. And so luckily for me, I, they had a, had a place for me. So uh, I just moved into a different role and, and uh, was quite happy with that to, to learn something new after all those years. But um, uh, it, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, I forgot the question anyway. I guess right. oh, it's all good. Um, no, we were just, I was saying, uh, I believe it was in 2012, you were honored by the Oilers. Oh. Oh, uh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Like Lowe, like Coffee, like Gretzky on all the work that you did for them uh, throughout your behind the bench years um, and talking well, about those relationships. Like, what was it like for you to, to see the players that you helped succeed? Now, thank you for all your work. Well, you know, 
in, in the training business, the training fraternity, we, we uh, are fortunate that every year, and I was on the executive board for that group. I mean, it's a very great group of guys, the medical trainers and equipment managers in the National Hockey League. Some of my closest friends, I, I spent lots of time with those guys in the trenches. Um, the one group was called PHATS, Professional Hockey Athletic Trainer Society, and their partners in the, in the, the business are, it's called SOFEM, Society of Professional Hockey Equipment Managers. So there, there, there is basically one professional uh, association and both fall under that group. And that's all NHL, American Hockey League, Central Hockey League. Now we've, we've brought the colleges and universities in and the junior teams uh, to learn and, and uh, to grow your, your expertise and your credibility in the business. So um, they are offered every year to put one member into the Hockey Hall of Fame under the category of trainers. So it's a great honor for, for our members and that they're recognized within their group and within their peers. But the member that's uh, uh, nominated and, and uh, um, put into the Hall of Fame, I, I was actually inducted in 2012. So that was a quite, quite a, an honor, nothing that you really expect. And, and you might not say that it's, well, it's not at the same level as the players and, and, and for the Hockey Hall of Fame inductions, and it, it isn't. But in a, in a relative way, it, it, you know, we are in the Hall of Fame and we're recognized and there's plaques in the Hall of Fame. And it's kind of a, an internal trainer's deal, but it's great for the family and that whole thing. But when, when that happens, um, because a lot of uh, the, the former players that I worked with were already inducted in the Hall of Fame. So these guys... If you think back to the 80s and uh, up until, what was it, 2012, most of those guys, we all grew up together, even though, I, you know, like I said, we were about the same age. Um, you know, guys that are Hall of Famers, Mark and Wayne and Kevin and Paul Coffey and Curry and Fuhrer and a ton, a ton of guys that were already in the Hall of Fame. They're the ones that, that, that they're friends. And so among other players, uh, but they always, uh, they're very nice in recognizing uh, that as a teammate um, that I was inducted and yeah it's quite an honor it's it's a bit overwhelming actually when when all your buddies are calling you and congratulating you but uh, yeah that's a long time ago now I forgot about that well hey I'm going to take my turn and congratulate you as well because without a doubt being inducted regardless if you're a player trainer you could be the water boy for all I care being <laughs> yeah. the Hall of Fame. yeah that is a huge honor. So congratulations, because uh, that's definitely well deserved after the tenure that you did spend with the Oilers. Well, you know, I was, I've often often said, you know, you, you got to be good to be lucky and lucky to be good. Like I, I just happened to come along at the right time, and um, you know, five Stanley Cups in seven years. The team had my first year in the NHL. We went to the final and lost uh, to the Islanders. But you know, after that, up until. Uh, 1990 we won and then it was 16 years or yeah well 15 16 years before we went back against Carolina for the seventh final and we lost to the Hurricanes but I mean I just came along at a good time I, I was very fortunate uh, I suppose I I, I I learned my craft and I, I became very good at what I did and and you know and I learned from the fact that I was working with great players that were demanding in their own right to, to become better every game. And that's how I learned to help them because it's not that they were selfish people. They were just so determined to every, every year, every game to, to get better and do whatever they could to get better. And that was my job just to help them to, 
um, to do what it took to get better to improve their game. And that's basically what the training staff does anyway. Now, during your time with the Oilers, like you just mentioned, you, you've been part of five Stanley Cup wins and, and several other playoff contentions. What, do you have one win that kind of stands out as your most favorite out of those five? Well, <laughs> that's not a hard question for me. I've, I've been asked that question before, I, you know. And, and not to take for granted the fact that, you know, man, I was – She's, I was on a lot of winning teams. I was a very, very lucky guy. Um, but that was a long time ago. But I will tell you, it was, I think, how, let me just try and remember, May 14th, 1983. Uh, it was the 83, 4, 84, 9, May 14th, 1984 was the year that, and the date that the Oilers won their first Stanley Cup. And I was in my second year in the NHL, my third year as a professional. Um, you know, I was standing on the bench in the same place I stood for all those years on our home games at my little, you know, two-foot square spot. And, uh, you know, looking up at the clock and watching the countdown and watching the players, it, it, it's uh, something that really, uh, it changes your life. And uh, it, it was quite spectacular. Just like I said earlier, all those little kids growing up that want to be make them make be an NHL player and win the Stanley cup. Well, I, I, I wasn't ever an NHL player or coach, but I was very fortunate to be on a team that won. And that was the, that was the most exciting moment of my professional career. I believe is the, is the first uh, Stanley cup that we had won. So what I need you to do now is I need you to fly over to Toronto, get hired by the Leafs and bring that yeah. luck to the Leafs to help them win the Stanley cup. <laughs> Cause it has been way too long. But. Yeah, you know, I that's the other thing I was saying to, uh, to Jack the other day is that, you know, out of the 38 years that I was there, um, we were in the final uh, five, seven times, right, seven times. And so that's seven out of 38 years that there's a lot of losing. I mean, and I don't, I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean it in there's a heck of a lot of things that have to go right to win. Mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, it's very challenging today, even, uh, well, more so today than any, any, any era, I think, to put a winning team together. Tough for the, for the, the managers and the executive of these teams to, to, you know, draft and develop the players. But very, very challenging times. It's so different today than it was when, when I was working. But, uh, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I wish I could help the Leafs. I, I, I've heard that, that uh Although they are getting better, I know that. But I've heard that whole story about the last Stanley Cup. And I had a lot of good years in, in Maple Leaf Gardens. I was lucky in the era I grew up. So I spent lots of time in Toronto. And, and Maple Leaf Gardens was a classic place to be and to work in. And, uh, uh, yeah, so I, I'm kind of very well aware of the, the history of the Leafs, too. Well, hey, we'll welcome you with open arms. Don't worry. <laughs> now, I wanted to chat with you about Joey Moss and uh, I don't think there's a sports person out there that doesn't know who Joey Moss is, especially a Canadian uh, hockey player or hockey insider that knows who Joey Moss is. Um, and I want to chat about your relationship with Joey. Obviously Joey was such an iconic piece of the Oilers organization throughout his years with the, with the team. Um, and he just passed away last year. 
Um, what was your relationship and, and your work um, kind of environment with Joey and, and what was it like to work with him? Well, that it was a tough goal here for us when, when we lost Joey. He was a very special person in, in, in our professional lives, but also in my case and in some of this, our staff's a, a personal life, some of our players as well, personal lives. Um, you know, when Joe started, and I believe it was 85, 84, 85, when Wayne brought him, I, the, the, you know, the information and the, his, the, the story is fairly well known that Wayne brought Joey in, and I don't want to get into that whole side, but that's how he ended up coming. And he was just a staff, he was a staff member. He was a, he was a member of our staff, and in, in, immediately, whether he uh, had Down syndrome or not Down syndrome, uh, I'd never spent much time with anybody with Down syndrome. So uh, we really learned an awful lot about it and uh, never, ever considered it to be a disability. It, it, it was Joey was Joey, right? So, um, but I'll tell you, he, uh, he became a, a real integral part of our team within a short amount of time because he was such a smart little guy. And uh, funny, oh my God, he had us laughing. And, and uh, you know, I've often said, if, if you were to ask me, what, what is my, 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 how can I describe Joe Moss? And, you know, it's, it's like I said, still sentimental to me, but I say that this little guy just brought joy to people's hearts. Um, he was a happy guy. He was a big part of our team. He got along great with all the staff and the players. He had a very responsible position, um, but he just kept us laughing, man. He was a funny guy and he became very close to the staff. Sparky, my partner there that I worked with for a lot of years, kind of took him under his, his, his wing and Sparky you know, in the early days, he was part of Sparky's family. He also worked very closely with Dwayne Mandrusiak. He was part of the Mandrusiak family. Dwayne's a uh, should you know he's a he's a a legend, an iconic uh, equipment manager in the um, in the CFL for the Eskimos or whatever you want to call them, the EE team, whatever. But in the Eskimo days, uh, um, yeah. So Joey worked for the Eskimos as well as the Oilers, and that, that stuff's fairly, I think, common knowledge. But for my personal view, uh, you know, he used to come and stay with us, um, especially after I left uh, the training business, um, because he lived in a in a residence. Um, but he used to come and stay at our place for a week at a time, or sometimes longer. But on and off, he would he'd call them sleepovers, and he became part of our family like over the thirty some years. Um, and I have so many funny stories to tell you about him, but I, I just love the little guy and he's a big part of our life. And you know what? It's just, it's so cool that the Oilers are recognizing him on such a, a, a large scale. We, we, we had, um, um, they're, they're naming um, the building that our practice rink that's, that's connected to Rogers place, the Joy Moss arena. Um, they had so many beautiful tributes to Joel. It was just fascinating to uh, to see, and you know, well deserved. Um, he's an iconic oiler, and and I say at times he's an iconic Canadian because he represents so many things to so many different people. Not only just in the hockey business, but when you talk about diversity in the workforce, you talk about uh, you know um, Special Olympics. I mean, Joey was a Special Olympian as well. He 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 played floor hockey for Team Canada. Um, wasn't that good, but he, he had lots of fun with him. He did a lot of work for Special Olympics in, in Edmonton, uh, Edmonton Down Syndrome Society. Um, he, uh, Winifred Stewart's school, 
And uh, yeah, there was actually a big floor hockey tournament named the Joy Moss Tournament, as well as the Oilers in training camp have a Joy Moss Cup. So anyway, I could go on and on about about Joe, but uh, just just a, an iconic Canadian, iconic Oiler, and a, and, a, and a close personal friend, and it was a huge loss for for us personally, but the city and and the NHL, I think. Yeah, and I I know from a Special Olympics perspective, I know uh, Special Olympics Canada posted about him and about his work with the Oilers and, and with uh, with the Eskimos, and then also too like about being a Special Olympian and and his uh, time as a floor hockey athlete. And you know what, as a as an athlete myself, it's funny because you you always want to try and, and succeed. I mean, who doesn't in the sport? But uh, when he said he wasn't very good at, it, I mean, like. No one's really good at a sport. They just get better at something. Oh, I, he loved don't hey floor hockey. He loved floor hockey. I could I could t- you know. Oh, I don't I didn't want to get into it. But he no he was had a passion for it and he loved it. But his biggest passion in sports besides the Oilers was wrestling. Like that guy loved wrestling. He knew every professional professional wrestler. He knew all their names. He watched wrestling nonstop on TV. Eventually, when uh, he got an iPad. One of the players, Ryan, uh, what the heck was his, his name there? Ryan, one of the young guys years ago, bought him a, uh, an iPad. And they downloaded a ton of wrestling uh, WWE matches. He used to watch wrestling nonstop. So he, he, loved, he loved the wrestling. He was, uh, and we used to have wrestling matches in the dressing room where he would, he would uh, wrestle with the players. You know, we'd have a mock wrestling match. Just, just funny, funny stuff. If you ever, guys ever get a chance to... Uh, See, there's a Sportsnet special on Joey Moss, um, and everybody should get a chance to see that. He, there's there's some really cool footage in there with him wrestling. But yeah, just uh, just a cool young guy, and he he meant so much to so many different people. No, and and he definitely did. And uh, I I never got the fortunate pleasure of meeting Joey, but just his his impact uh, and message of inclusion just stood alone in the sports world for sure. Oh yeah. Now, oh yeah. Now, talking about um, your kind of career outside of the NHL with the Olympics and the World Cups, you've been to plenty of them. Um, which event has to be your favorite outside the NHL between those Olympics and the World Cups to have been uh, a part of kind of that, uh, that time? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, with, with winning comes good things. And uh, as the Oilers were winning and people – maybe not think about this, but uh, as we were winning in the early eighties, those were, those are the years when the world cups were starting or excuse me, the Canada cups were called. That's what they called it to begin with 84, 87, 91 Canada cups. And uh, because the Oilers had won, but say there was the boss, he kind of ran it. Uh, we, we as a staff got to go and a lot of our Oilers players played in those events. So um, I think I, at one point I counted eight different uh, major international tournaments, including um the Canada Cup starting in the early 80s. And then uh, I was fortunate to work in a world championship uh, in Bolzano, Italy, of all places, which Canada had won, which was fantastic. Uh, that was in Italy. And then the World Cups, uh, three, I believe three World Cup of hockeys, which were between Toronto, uh, Montreal, Vancouver. Um, but, and uh, the, the most exciting, and, and uh, although they're all exciting, don't get me wrong, especially when you're winning. Um, that world championship in Italy was one of the most exciting uh, uh, teams that I'd ever played on and, or not played on, but was, were part of it were 
representing your country. I was fortunate to be part of that team, but just, it was just an exciting, exciting um, event. But uh, bar none, I'd have to say the Olympic games really was something special uh, just because of the history of the Olympics and uh, to be part of uh, the Olympic program, representing your country. In most cases, team Canada, um, which was run by Bob Nick. Well, first of all, Alan Eagleson. And then after Alan Eagleson left, Bob Nicholson took over, who is, is our um, uh, chairman, uh, president. He runs the company here. Um, uh, so Bob ran it for quite a long time. And now Tom Rennie is, is uh, running uh, the, the national program. But what I was getting at is we were always treated first class. Like wherever we went, whether we were uh, in Europe or uh, across Canada, the U.S., first class and the the um, 02 olympics wayne gretzky was the managing director he kind of looked after things um i uh that was in salt lake city so we we went down to salt lake and that was my first olympic games and canada won in the 02 olympics it was just fantastic it was unbelievable what an experience that was um and then in 06 we uh went to um torino italy and typically what happens if you win, they, they, you know, usually pick the same staff, the coaches and managers, and then they'll pick the players. But so I was lucky to go to Torino as well. And, and that was a bit of a disaster. Um, I, th I think I still have post-traumatic stress disorder from that, that we, our team just didn't get going and we couldn't, uh, we didn't even make the, we, we passed the preliminary round, but we didn't do very well. Anyway, um, to answer your question of all the, great events that I was fortunate to be part of the, the Olympic games, I think were, were very, very special. Yeah. I mean, you get to represent on like a team that uh, on the biggest sports stage in the world. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's just to get there and kind of be part of it is one thing. And then obviously to, to see the action live is another aspect too. Right. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it was fabulous. The, you know, living in the village and all the things that you dream about or you've heard about that you wanted to, um, you know, learn and understand about all the different uh, countries that are, are participating. And, you know, just being part of the Olympic Village was a great experience, you know, uh, rubbing shoulders with all the different uh, countries and learning about all the different food. And, and uh, yeah, I must admit it was a, it's, it's, it's a little more challenging uh, as far as staff is concerned. Um, some, some differences for the players too, because of ice, ice size and that, but, uh, and the routines are a little bit different for the players, but the one thing that, that we noticed quickly, our staff noticed quickly is there, there's very, uh, credentials are really hard to get a hold of. And, you know, there's only so many credentials that go around. So your staff is cut down. So you're working on a bare bone staff. Um, you know, one equipment manager, one medical trainer, um, you know, uh, she's maybe there was two, I can't remember exactly, but there was no support staff like locker room attendants and, uh, stick boys. And, you know, all those things that you take. So you take for granted in the national hockey league, when you're working in day to day, you always have a lot of help and support when you're traveling. And even at home, you have extra staff helping out. But when you go to the Olympic games, man, you 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 get back down to grassroots. You learn where your, the fundamentals are like you're filling water bottles and you're, you know, putting towels out and you're just doing things that you're not used to doing because you have so many people helping out. But, but, uh, no, it was nothing but great memories about, about the Olympics. That's wonderful. 
Now, I like to end off every episode with a segment I call Words of Wisdom. Um, and you've had so many experiences throughout your career um, from, like you said, working the WHL to the CHL onto the NHL and just kind of being tossed into that fire uh, and trial by fire. What advice would you want to give to someone that may want to start a career in sport and do something like work behind the bench and work behind the scenes on um, helping the team to succeed uh, furthermore? Well, I mean, it's this vocation. It's not for everybody. Like uh, hard work is the answer in any, any, any uh, walk of life that you choose to be successful. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to never stop learning. I mean, it's always learning. Things evolve all the time uh, in whatever career you, you, um, you get into. But the biggest, I think the biggest thing besides the fundamentals of, of, of hard work um, and, and, and learning and constant learning and those things are that you, you really need to learn um, to be a team player. Uh, you really need to learn what the fundamentals of, of, of high performance teams are and just um, being able to contribute, being able to, you know, be, be positive, like the characteristics of, um, or the traits of character are key. And I mean, off the top of my head, I'm just want to say number one is, and, and this applies to any career, but, but especially the hockey business, because it comes from, that's what I'm familiar with. But, you know, you always have to put the, the team first. You have to have a team first attitude. You know, the name on the front of sweater is more important than the name on the back. It's a cliche, but it's true. And the people that put the team first uh, will always do better. You have to have a, a no quit attitude. Um, you know, never quit, man. Like you got to, you're going to get knocked down and it doesn't matter what you're doing in your life. You got to get up and just, you can't quit. That's, uh, you know, that's, what's going to help make su people successful. Um, the other, I, I think right off the top of my head, I would say, um, you, you got to learn not to play the blame game. <laughs> you know, it's one of the key things in any, in any vocation or anyone's life is you need to learn how to take responsibility. And that especially goes for, um, you know, well, it works for the trainers, coaches, everybody, but um, you need to take responsibility and stand up for yourself and, and uh, just ha have, have pride in the job that you do. You know, uh, I remember Glenn Sather, I'll just finish with a little story if you have time, but yeah, of course. I just, just thought about this. Um, I was working at, at West Edmonton mall. We used to practice at the mall and um, uh Lots of players around, lots of people. It was it was a very friendly atmosphere. And I was standing uh, by the bench, and a, a young guy came up to me, and he said, um, that "I must have been in my first year, I think, or probably first year, second year." Came up to me and said, uh, "Could I have your autograph, please?" And I kind of went, no, "No, no, no, you don't want my autograph. You want, you know, Gretzky's autograph or Messier's autograph. You don't want my autograph." And uh, in about two seconds I felt a strong tap on my shoulder and I turned around it was Glenn Sather and I, I had said to the kid you don't want my autograph I'm just the trainer you know you want the players autographs and Glenn Sather said to me listen here I don't want to ever hear you say you're just the trainer you're the trainer of the goddamn Edmonton Oilers and that's something you should always be proud of 
And I'll, I'll never forget that. You know, it's, uh, it's just the way that Glenn was with, with, uh, as a leader with the staff and the people. And that, that's a fundamental that helped me um, grow as a person, grow as a professional that, uh, you know, I learned from a young age to stand up for myself and be proud of, of the work that I did. So, you know, all those things I learned through, you know, the school of hard knocks. And, and I think anybody else can learn those things too. That's fantastic. And yeah, honestly, and Glenn's so right. It's, you never want to hear, or you never want to think of yourself as, oh, I'm just the trainer. I'm just the, the assistant. I'm just this. You are a team. There is no I in team. And you're, you have that team mentality first or that team, uh, like all four team kind of aspect. And, and um, yeah, like no matter what, you can be the smallest nook in the cranny and as you're part of the team regardless. So. Well, I was fortunate that I grew up with um, under the, under a culture of winning that was established very early through, through Glenn Sather and John Muckler and Teddy Green and the staff that worked there. And, um, and of course, all the players, I mean, they were all just awesome. You know, I learned very quickly. They become a teammate fairly soon. They're all there to help you. And, you know, I, I always say that, you know, people say, well, Wayne Gretzky is a great player or Mark Messier or Paul Coffey, you know, Anderson, any of the, any of those guys that played, you know, they were all great players, but they were equally great people. And that's what made the Oilers the success that they were because they had really good people. They, they were brought up well, they had good parents and, uh, you know, I just, like I said, I came along at a great time and uh, I was a very lucky guy and I am a lucky guy today still. That's great. Barry, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show, share your experiences throughout uh, your Oilers career and what it was like to work with so many great players, uh, work with the great iconic Joey Moss and, uh, and, and where you are today. So thank you so much um, and uh, all the best with uh, the next journey, if you will, in your career. Well, Ryan, it's been my pleasure. And anytime I get introduced to somebody through a, a good friend that Loren Mercy, I worked with many years in the, uh, or a few years actually with the Oilers alumni. She's a great young lady, started her own, uh, her own sports marketing company. And, uh, you know, she, she's a friend of yours and you're a friend of mine. And uh, I, I spend a lot of my time helping out with charities now in Edmonton and uh, very happy to do that. And uh, um we have a, an event called the Toast of the Town coming up. We're honoring uh, my, my good friend Kevin Lowe in um, uh, the end of July, and the Oilers are helping us out. They're, they're going to be a big part of that. So uh, the money's going towards uh, trying to find a cure for multiple myeloma um, and many other cancers. So that keeps me busy, keeps me going, and it, it keeps me working on teams and being part of uh, you know teams that are all like-minded people and trying to make a difference in the world. That's awesome. Keep up the great work, man. That's, that's incredible here. Like I, I know how much fundraising is a pain in the ass because I do it for my sports and, and to try and run events. It's always so hard, but um, that's honestly, man, that's fantastic. And uh, like kudos to you for, for wanting to make that difference and be a movement maker in your own right. No worries, buddy. Uh, life is short. You know what? You got you to gotta be happy and have fun. So thanks very much, Ryan, and good luck to you. And keep up the good work, and I look forward to catching up with you down the road sometime. Sounds good. We'll talk soon. Maybe a golf game. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> okay, buddy. Take care. All right. See ya.